0: Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. For those who don't know, uh, my name is Pastor Mark. I am the campus pastor here at our Marsfield campus. We are one church, two locations. Some exciting news, our Republic location is celebrating 15 years as a church. So come on, let's honor Pastor Chad, uh, the Republic campus. Come on, it takes some faithfulness to lead a church for 15 years, and there's been so much fruit that's come out of that. So we are grateful for that campus. We're grateful for our leadership. Um, And again, first-time guests, if you're in the room, I want to say welcome. Destiny Church, how do we feel about our first-time guests? We love y'all. Hey, uh, like Bailey told you, take that welcome card, fill it out, drop it off at our welcome table. They'll get you some free goodies. It'll be Awesome. Hey, was anybody here in church last week for for Mother's Day? Come on, wasn't last week absolutely incredible? I'm so grateful. I'm I'm so grateful people were willing to share their stories with us. And if you weren't here, we we had a panel that was really based around this whole idea of us uh, stepping into foster care as a church and really challenging our church to uh, make that a part of the culture here at Destiny, something that we do. And we had, I I think our goal was... um, Well, I'm trying to think, we had 25 packets. We had 20 couples sign up to take the next step for foster care. And here's what's crazy. I I believe, my statistics might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in Webster County, not just Marsfield, in Webster County, there's 13 foster families. So let's just say 15 of these families that signed up go on to actually start fostering. We will have doubled the amount of foster care families in our county. So uh, that's what we're here to do as a church. Amen. So so those who signed up, you'll be getting an email here soon, but we're going to have a meeting at the church on June 24th. That's a Monday night from 630 to 830. And maybe you weren't here. Maybe it's something you've been chewing on all week. And you're like, man, I wish I signed up after I talked with my husband or uh, I decided it's something I wanted to step into. You can still come to this meeting, June 24th, 630 to 8. It'll be here at the church. All this is is an informational meeting. Oh wait, is that wrong? Okay, oh, am I saying June 24th? Is it May 24th? There we go. Write write it right in my notes, Mark. So it is next Monday, May 24th, not June. I wrote it wrong from 6:30 to 8. Listen, if you want to come and be a part, you can email me M. Griffith like Andy, not like family guy, Peter Griffin, right? Not I N it's I T H M Griffith at DestinyChurch.me. We will get you plugged in and sign up and listen, all this meeting, all this meeting is, is it's informational to learn how you can be involved. What does it look like? What do you need to know? This isn't you committing to becoming a certified foster care parent. Um, you, you will that That's the next step from this meeting. So just come, if you're curious, just come, show up, listen. I, I think it would be fruitful for you. Um, you know, transparently, although I, I say transparently, I don't think it's any secret. I myself personally am still growing as a pastor and a leader, right? And, and I think a huge part of that personal growth that I've experienced here recently is this shift in my head and in my heart to move on from just being... Um, from just doing church and, and leading in a way that causes us to be the church in greater ways. And I think for so long, I, I think the way that I've led and sort of my vision has been, you know, how can we do church? How, how can we do church better? And, and I think now, especially walking through everything that we walked through with COVID, it's how, how can we be the church better? And, and I think this is a huge part of it. I think WheelFed's been a huge part of that. We had WheelFed this Friday, served 400 people food. Wow. Come on. Um, but you know, I, I deeply desire to to first lead myself, to, to lead my household, but to also lead this church, um, in, in such a way where we understand that we are on mission always. Can y'all say that yeah. on mission always. Abigail and I were, we're closing in on two years. This summer will be two years that we've been leading this campus and in you know, the Lord has done special things in us in that time. He's done some special things through us in that time. I've seen the Lord do special things in you guys and through you guys in that time. But I also know, um, even though we're two years in, there's things the Lord is birthing in this community that that haven't even matured yet. You know, like I, I really sense that there's still this we're so much of what's happening in this campus and what's going to happen in this campus and through this community is still premature. Like I, I believe there's a real maturing that's, that's taking place in us and through us. And, and maybe that sounds weird, but I, I, I think for us to step into those things um, is going to take faithfulness, us sticking around, uh, us putting in the work, right? Uh, boots on the ground. It's It's going to take faithfulness and many other things and, Like even this last Tuesday, we had an all staff meeting where we sat around in a circle and we asked to talk about dreams that we have for our ministries and dreams that we have for a a church as a whole. And even sharing some of those things. Like I want y'all to know that there are dreams I have for this campus of what we are to this community and what we do and dreams that aren't things that are just going to happen in a year, but it's going to take faithfulness. It's going to take sowing, right? Lord willing will happen in his time and his His plans and His leading with His blessing. So we're just going to keep going and believing God for greater things to happen in this house. Amen. Everyone say, keep going. Keep going. All right. So um, May 24th, not June 24th. Come on out to the church. Hey, I want to, we're going to be in the book of Acts quite a bit today. If you could open up with me to the first chapter of Acts. Our key scripture is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through, I think, 11 here. Um, <clears throat> says this. So just to catch you up to speed, Acts is a continuation of Luke's gospel, Luke authored Acts. And um, so Jesus has been put in the grave. He has ascended. He has visited with his apostles. He has been on earth for 40 days um, I- interacting with with people Um, he he's about to ascend back to heaven. But in this moment, we get to see this conversation that he has with his disciples. So let's look at this. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, this is acts one verse six, it says, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. He says this, but, but verse 8, and I, re- I really want us to hone in on verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now we saw in John 20, Jesus walks through the wall, shows up in the room, right? It says he, he breathes on them and says, receive my Holy Spirit. This is after that occasion. Okay, I just want to point that out and make that known. He tells them, you will receive power. Everyone say power. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after saying this, he's taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So Jesus gets sucked up into heaven and they're like, love you, right? As they strained to see him rising to heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will soon return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Come on, say he's coming back. He's coming back. back. This is gonna be a good word. I I think this is gonna challenge a a lot of us in the room too. So let's pray. Jesus." Father, I pray for a tilling of the soil of our heart right now. God, as the seed of your word goes forth, I pray that it would take root in our heart. It would grow to produce fruit in our lives. I pray as we're in this room, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. We wouldn't just come in and listen to it, but we would be uh, believers of action. We would be people full of faith and our faith would be in motion. We don't want to deceive ourselves. We don't just want to hear and not do. We we, want to be... We want to be believers who hear and do in Jesus name. Amen. Transform us in Jesus name. Amen. So there's this, there's this portion of scripture in Acts, which I got to be honest and transparent um, is almost a little mysterious to me. It kind of challenges my theology. Okay. So I want us to go to Acts 19 really quick. And I want to, I want to observe this. And I think this might challenge your theology. And it it might challenge some of the biblical teaching of churches that you've sat in. So I'm just saying right off the bat, we're going to dive in. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I just want to look. I want us to throw away what denominations we come out of, what we've been taught. And I just want to look at what do the scriptures say? Is that okay? All right. So Acts 19, check this out. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Apollos is uh, uh, Paul's ministry partner, right? One of his sons in the faith, so to speak. Paul traveled through the inner regions until he reached Ephesus. Remember our series on Ephesians? Um, So Ephesians is this massive town, uh, this, this massive city. So Paul travels into Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Now keep in mind, these are believers. These are people of faith. And then Paul asks him a very interesting question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I think for some of us, if we just, if we thought what we've been told is when I put faith in Christ, I just have the Holy Spirit. I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I just think that it's interesting Why would Paul ask them, did you receive the Holy Spirit as if this was some sort of separate experience or something? Strange, right? Can we just say yes? Okay. It's all right. We're just reading the scriptures here. So he said, do you receive the Spirit when you believed?" He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. He says, then what baptism did you experience? He asked them and they replied, The baptism of John. Now remember John the Baptist was baptizing for for repentance and baptizing in water. But what did he tell us Jesus would come and do? What did he tell us about the one who was coming? Well, there's one who's coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay? So, okay, they, they received the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hand, so just keep in mind, people full of faith, they believe in Jesus, they're saved, they've received salvation, they put it by grace through faith, they believed in Jesus. But then something extraordinary happens. It says then when Paul laid his hands on them, The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. So just based off what I read in the scriptures here, the Holy Spirit coming upon these believers appears to be a separate experience uh, uh, that takes place after they've already placed faith in Jesus. That's what it appears as I see it. So I want to take a look at another passage, which is going to challenge us in this way. Okay. Um, So turn with me to Acts. We're going to flip a couple chapters back. I want to go to chapter uh, eight of Acts. So chapter eight, it says, uh, um, says this, but now the people believed Philip's message. I'm on verse 12. It says, but the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. So the people believed, they put faith in Jesus, they're saved, right? And as a result, many men and women were baptized. People say, yeah. Jesus is Lord. I believe it. Jesus is King. They they were baptized, okay? They, their faith has been expressed. They have declared their faith publicly. Then Simon himself, who was a sorcerer, who had all kinds of mixed intentions. I just don't want to spend time on it because it's just not the point of the passage, but Simon's on the scene too. Don't worry about it. He began following, <laughs> it's fine. He, he began, just want you all to know Simon's there, okay? So he began following Philip where he went in great miracles, or, or, or I'm sorry, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. Why is Philip able to perform these great signs and miracles? I'll touch on this in a little bit, but remember the bread ministry taking place in the early church? So there was this bread ministry and then the apostles were kind of overseeing the bread ministry. It got way too busy. The the, the different widows are fighting and they're like, listen, we have the, the word of God to preach. We can't take all our time tending to this ministry. We have to delegate so, so so we can gain more room to do the things God's called us to do. So when they want to appoint leaders over this bread ministry, they say, find seven men who are full of the spirit and of wisdom who are full of the spirit and of wisdom. So just remember all this. Why is Philip able to perform these things? Because he's full of the Holy spirit. Okay. So I I just want to go back into Acts chapter eight. We've seen these believers have confessed faith in Jesus. They have been baptized in water. They have declared for a lot of us. That's where it stops. The Holy spirit made me new, made me clean. We're good. I just want to suggest this morning as we look at the text, could there possibly be more? I just, I just want to look, I'm not even declaring anything. We're we're throwing denominations. We came out of, we're throwing away what we've been taught. What does the text say? That's it. Okay. So as we go on into verse 14, They've heard about what's just taken place. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Okay? Peter and John walked around with Jesus, right? Peter and John, they know their word. They know their scriptures, right? Peter and John live godly lives. So in verse 15, it says, so as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. They've already been baptized. They've already put their faith in Christ. It, it, I don't, being apostles, I don't think Peter and John are confused. To me, it seems there's more. I know this is, this is different. A lot of us haven't talked about this, but I just find it interesting if, if there's not, why? If there wasn't, you know, so, so we see in John 20, Jesus breathes on them. He says, receive my Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying that that if there isn't some sort of extra experience, I don't even know. I'm still working through this. I'm, I'm with y'all. Is it okay as a pastor? Can I admit I don't have all the answers? But based off what I see, there's a separate experience that takes place outside of this. If there is a separate experience, are we hungry to encounter it? If there's more, do we want it? Yeah. So as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay? Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these new believers and they received the Holy Spirit. I just wonder... Now, again, guys, i'm I'm still working through this. I've been studying it so diligently so I can explain it with clarity. I don't know that I can even explain it with with great clarity because i because I do believe when we confess faith in Jesus, the first chapter of Ephesians tells us that, The Holy Spirit seals our salvation. So I think there there, there has to be work that the Holy Spirit does in us upon our confession and faith in Jesus. And I believe that we're saved. But but I also believe there's a difference of a believer who is Spirit-filled, who is full of the Spirit, like it says Stephen was in this. I, I don't know. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense as to why the apostles felt led to lay hands on these people for them to receive the Holy Spirit. I want want to challenge this church that there's a filling that we should seek and desire. I I, I think, matter of fact, I'm confident that there's more in the Holy Spirit, in the person of the Holy Spirit, than what a lot of us have ever been taught. Acts 3, or Acts 6, verse 3, this is what I was talking about. Therefore, brethren when they're talking about supplying this bread ministry, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full. Everyone say full. Lord. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's the apostle saying we got, we got to delegate. Even talking about this maturing process for us as a church, Becoming the church God has called us to be, becoming a church of power and anointing and effectiveness. I think we need to take steps and move in to seeking, desiring to be a spirit-filled church. And again, I think so many of us have been taught that not all, all that stuff is just for then. You don't, you don't need to mess with that. Canons closed. Don't, don't mess with it. I'm just saying as as we read through the scriptures, I don't think the Holy Spirit's done. And I'm being transparent with y'all. A lot of this is still a theological mystery to me as well. Um, I'm continuously studying and giving myself knowledge, but there is a non-negotiable for us. And that's what we see happen to Jesus and what we hear Jesus say. Because I think if anyone can be trusted, although all the scriptures can be trusted, so I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to be a heretic up here, okay? Preach heresy. But, but Jesus's words and what we see in his life is non-negotiable, right? The son of God right? The, the, the invisible, the visible image of the invisible God is Jesus. So let's, let's, let's observe what happens with Jesus concerning the Holy Spirit. Well, we see in the gospels that Jesus is baptized and in all four gospels. Now the four gospels are four different letters written by four different people. So sometimes the stories are similar, sometimes they're not. Sometimes Luke has more, or Matthew's more detailed than maybe John might be or, or, or whatever but what we see in all four gospels is the baptism of Jesus. Okay. And if you remember, as we reflect back on the text, I would assume the Holy Spirit's working through Jesus because he's God. So you can't say Jesus doesn't have the Holy Spirit. I know this is, I know this is deep, but whatever, let's just, let's just run after it. Like, let's just, let's just talk about it. So we know the spirit is at work within Jesus but Jesus is baptized. And then something happens. The heavens open up and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, not in the movies, a physical dove. No, the Holy Spirit, like a dove descends upon Jesus and the father and the father prophesies out. This is my son with whom I'm well-pleased. It is in Luke chapter 4 the verses following that that we now see the gospels refer to Jesus in this way then Jesus full of the holy spirit Jesus's ministry doesn't start until after that moment where he the holy the holy spirit comes upon him I'm just saying I'm just Not making any declarations. I don't understand it all either. Okay? It says, but then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all. During that time, he became very hungry. So we see, Jesus has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Right? Would we agree with that? Okay. So then... Not only do I want to observe what happened to Jesus, what Jesus experienced, but I want to observe the words that Jesus said. So let's look look in Luke 11, verse 5. Jesus has just talked about prayer. And then Jesus says, you fathers, this is Jesus' words. If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, look at it. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus himself is implying that the believer should be asking for more from the Holy Spirit. Church, we can't argue with this. There's something, there's deep work the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us. There's encounters with the Holy Spirit that I think many of us, our churches, have never talked about and we're missing out on power. Jesus implies we need to be asking for more of the Holy Spirit. So sometime in fall, been talking with leadership, we're doing a a series on the Holy Spirit and we're gonna go after it. (laughs) And even if we, even if we, we're just going to see what the text says and we're going to, if there's more, we're going to experience it. If there's more, we're going to encounter it. So we, we plan to spend time on packing. I think that's worth talking about. Come on. We're going to be a spirit filled church. So the reason I, I preface the, the whole message with that because I think some of that is important to have in mind. This isn't even really what the message is about today, but I, but I feel like <laughs> I, we're in a series called witnesses, by the way, probably should, should have mentioned that. But if we're witnesses with no power, will we be effective? So I, I thought it was important to preface with some of that stuff. Let's go back to Acts 1 verse 8. Maybe this is some of what Jesus meant when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, okay? And then he says, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I, I read this verse and I, and I think this verse can essentially be broken up into two different parts. Man, I still got a lot of message and it's 950. That's Okay. <laughs> Point number one, write it down. If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Verse eight says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I think one of the greatest demonstrations of someone operating without the power of the Holy Spirit than within the power of the Holy Spirit is seen in our guy named Peter. I don't know if you know about Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Peter was a fisherman. We know that Peter had a mother-in-law, so we can assume that Peter was married, Right. Somehow, Peter, Jesus found favor with Peter. Peter ends up in Jesus's inner circle. So Peter gets to do some specific things with Jesus that only um, uh, James and John got to do with with him as well. There was kind of this inner three and Peter just happened to be one of those inner three. And just to somewhat save time's sake, I'm gonna fast forward into an event that we see take place in Matthew 26. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me fast. Let's look at this together. Matthew 26, verse 31, it says this on the way, so we see Jesus interacting with his disciples in this moment. It says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet with you there. And then we got Peter. And God bless Peter. And Peter sticks out his chest raises his voice, says, Lord, no, even if everybody else denies you, I won't because I love you and I'm the real deal, right? I will never desert you, Jesus. I'm your man. You can trust me. I was with you on the mountain. Yeah, you helped me walk on water. I was, Jesus, you're my guy, never denying you. Okay. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You'll you'll deny that you even know me three times. Peter's like, no way, Lord. No, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. Quit playing games, Jesus. You don't know me. You didn't create me. Right? All right, Peter. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So it's not just Peter, but Peter's leading the way in this. So literally just a little more than 30 verses later, let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew 26, verse 69. Meanwhile, Jesus has been arrested at this point, taken into the city. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, a servant girl. Just, just a girl came over and said to him, "You, you were one of those um, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean." But Peter denied it in front of everyone saying, I I don't know what you're talking about. He said, what? What? What do you mean, Peter? Peter, she's talking about Jesus, the guy who multiplied all the bread and the fish. She's talking about Jesus, the one you've been walking around with the last couple of years. She's talking about Jesus, the one who called you out on the water and you walked out. She's talking about Jesus, the one who brought you up on the mountain and you saw Jesus interact with Moses and Elijah. No one else got to see you. You saw it. If there's anyone who should know Jesus, Peter, it's you. I don't know what you're talking about. The guy who said he would never deny him, even if it meant that he had to die. He said, I don't know him. Wow. There's no power. I think part of the problem is Peter had good intentions, but he had no power. So remember in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon you. So let's fast forward in Acts two, because something specific happens to Peter here too. And I just want to see if there's if after this event, I just want to see if there's any difference in, in in Peter's countenance and Peter's actions. Okay. So acts two verses one through six, it says this on the day of Pentecost, remember Jesus told his disciples, Hey, go to Jerusalem, wait for the gift. Wait, you will receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Okay. So, so we're just in the next chapter. Jesus has ascended to heaven. They're hanging out. The, the disciples, they're, they're praying in a room together. And, And it says on the day of Pentecost, All the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, okay? And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there was devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, where they heard the loud noise and everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. Now, if you're familiar with this event, so obviously we see that they're, they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. God's pouring out a spirit on the believers. But he also told them that this gift would be for them and all those far off. He also, he also told us that. So, so they're filled. Then if you remember, because they're speaking out in other languages, and it's just a, a strange moment because it's spiritual, right? There's some guys from the back who are like, ah, they're all drunk. And this is how Peter responds. Remember, this is the same guy who a little servant girl said, hey, didn't you follow around Jesus? He's like, no, I I don't even know. How does he respond now? In a similar setting, similar crowd. But others in the crowd ridiculed him. This is verse 13, saying they're drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. I make no mistake about this. I denied him before. I'm not going to deny him again. These these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming because it's only nine o'clock in the morning anyway. We're not about that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Peter goes on to quote that book. And he says, this is is what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit is filling believers in the last days. Are, are, did the last days finish back then? Just answer. So we're still in the last days? Okay, so, so maybe this is for us too. Okay, all right. I'm just, hey, you said it, not me. So when, when y'all are blasting me on Facebook and people are talking about how, whatever. In the last days, for us, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Yeah. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as believers. Your old men will dream dreams. See, our, our old men, some of y'all have been coming to church thinking your time's done. You got nothing to offer. That's not true. God's given you dreams and your job is to share them with the church. Amen. Your own men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they'll prophesy and I will cause wonders in heaven above and on signs on earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Peter saying this. Are we even listening to the same guy? What's changed? I'll tell you what's changed. Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter's operating out of power. Peter is spirit-filled. Like Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But it's imperative we don't just stop there, right? So Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Um, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, so the, I, I want us, my second point here is we've been called to be witnesses. Amen? So in our, in our modern day context, we, we think of this word witness, and, and we think of someone who has seen something shocking or important and then goes on to share what they've, they've experienced. So I just want to nerd out with you guys a little bit because I thought some of this was interesting. So in the, in the Bible, witnesses are, are someone who encounter or experience something amazing with God, right? They, they have an experience, an encounter with God. And, and, and the word in Greek for these witnesses is martus, just like that, <laughs> martus. And that's also where we get the word martyr from. Then we see in the scriptures when someone shares. So, so someone, so let's, Moses is a perfect example. Moses was a mirtus. He was a witness of God. He encountered the burning bush. He went up on the mountain and had encounters with the glory of God. He was a mirtus. So after, a, after someone has an experience, an encounter, after they witness, right? They, have, they witness God or encounter God, they become a witness, they become a martus. Now it is on them to bear witness, which is to give ood. To give ood. Moses, Moses, so, so Moses is the martus. He experiences God, he encounters God, then he's to give ood to the Israelites. Okay, we see this all throughout the scriptures. This is God's intention. All throughout the scriptures, we see it with the prophets in the Old Testament. They witness him, they encounter him, they experience him. Then they give, then they interact. They give ood to the nations, and the greatest martyrs is Christ Himself, right? Who who has literally left heaven, came came through a virgin, entered earth. Yet Christ dies, he resurrects, and he pours out his spirit. So we not only hear about Jesus through the word, but we experience Jesus in our hearts, the spirit of Christ through the spirit at work within us. So essentially, we, we witness the Holy Spirit, we have encounters with the Holy Spirit. We experience the love of God through the Holy Spirit. We experience the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And we experience all the heavenly blessings in the spiritual realm through the Spirit at work within us. We are all now witnesses. and We've been called to give out, to bear witness of what he's done in me, of what he's done in you, of his truth, what, we, what we've read about him in his word. Just to make it really simple, the good news that Jesus saves and that Jesus is the Messiah. You can't stay in the four walls of this church, right? So as we encounter and experience his love, his presence, his freedom, his power, we need others to know this is available to you. Jesus saves too. And that—and that's not it, but he's come to fill you with power, to put you on mission. Now, Jesus told us, go and make disciples. And he equipped us to do it. We're called to do this on a local scale, and we're also called to do this on a global scale. And we'll dive, we'll dive into this next week, you know, as we kind of talk about it. I just wanted to briefly touch on, you know, what this looks like for us locally here, because I think part of this bearing witness of who Christ is and, and what Christ has done in us it, it is expressing that same love to others that we've received, right? Showing the world around us, loving the world around us. And this is why we distribute food every month to the hungry. This is why we sponsor over 100 kids in Zimbabwe. I guess that's not so much local, but that's okay. Have grace for Pastor Martin. But this is why we talk about bringing kids into our home, giving kids a second chance, a place to breathe, a place to be loved. This is why we're opening our doors on Wednesday nights and on Thursday nights for youth and young adults who are out here in this world, walking around, trying to live in truth and find truth. We've been called to bear witness of this love that has transformed us, right? And what we have to understand is that we are on mission always. Can you say that? On mission always. This is going to be the heart cry of this house. We are no longer just doing church, but we are now, we are being the church. We are now on mission always. We are on mission always. We're going to get bracelets made, t-shirts made, right? Let's do that. Wearing it around. We are on mission always. So maybe some of you are wondering, what the heck is the big truck out in, out in the yard out there? What is that thing? Well, y'all, we are on mission always. So we needed a truck. Amen. Um, so we are partnering with a, an organization called Unfiltered, which is owned by one of our um, members in Republic. And so this is gonna be a part of our our wheel fed outreach. So Unfiltered is an organization, uh, again, run by a member at a Republic campus and they provide meals and and supply uh, the homeless with anything that they need. So we needed a truck to carry all this supply so we can go out and do these different operations and and different tasks and activities and events because our heart is through the end of the year, the third Sunday of every month, we want to basically show up and provide at different homeless uh, centers in in Springfield. So, uh, Marshfield and Republic they're going to be we're going to be working together as two campuses alternating responsibilities every month preparing and serving meals to the homeless among other things and i and i've talked with some of our leaders in that and and they're talking about different events they want to organize like maybe showing up to the pool and kids who just get dropped off by their parents and left there to hang out for the day we want to feed those kids right like where anywhere we can how can we be because because if the church all the church does is just meet in the building on Sundays and and we praise God, we are not going to impact, we are not going to reach, we are not going to be witnesses at all. I don't know what the name is for it. Be more like cows, just grazing in here, you know, bunch of heifers. Y'all know I'm country now. I've been in Marshfield two years. So we're going to start building teams. We're, we're going to pull, remember, remember, you know, the, the reason why a lot of churches, they're, they're content to just do church and not be the church, because to be the church is expensive. To, to be the church is, uh, it, it's just inconvenient. To be the church is, is it takes sacrifice. We got to give up time. We got to give up resources. We got to give up who we are. But at the same time, that's the mission. So us, we're going to say, sign us up. In, in, make our life inconvenient. I'm ready to use my resources. Where does it need to go? What, what do you need supported? I'm ready to give up my time. I'll tell my boss I'm going to be late, right? Like I, I'm going to show up. I'm going to take part because I don't want to just do church. I want to be the church. So come on. So it's just, just, just a little bit of vision. Now. I'll let you go. Worship team. You can come, you can come. We're getting ready to go back into our last song, but you know, we want to do street evangelism through this ministry. We want to do summer feedings for our kids in the community. Uh, We want to do block parties, you know, where we just show up on parking lots and we we let the homeless community know, hey, we're going to be here. We know that they have cell phones, so we're going to find ways to connect with the homeless community in that way and say, hey, we're going to show up with a truck and we're going to hand out stuff, meet us here. We want to do, if Joplin, God forbid, gets hit with another tornado or something and we got to show up, we want to bring supply, we're going to be able to do that. So over the next few Sundays, May 23rd, May 30th, Really May, not June, June. May. 23rd, 30th, and then June 6th, we are collecting all these items. Okay, a couple of items on here, backpacks, bus passes, laundry soap, wipes, baby food, ponchos, flashlights. These are at the welcome table. If that's something you want to, if you're interested in being the church and not just doing church, you can grab one of these at our welcome table. And if I got to print more, I can print more. But for the next few Sundays, we are going to fill that truck so full. They're going to have to empty it. Before they can fill it up in retmo. All right, let's stand. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Father, I pray as, as we continue growing, as we continue to mature as a community, I pray that we would be a community that isn't interested in just doing church, but we're interested in being the church. But to be the church, we need your power. We need your wisdom. We need your anointing. So, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, renew our minds. Renew our hearts. We want to go deeper. If there's more, we want it. We, we ask for more. Fill us, Lord, in your holy and mighty name. We all said. amen.